Welcome to episode 17 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today's guest is Pacific Northwest photographer Candace Dyer. I was first drawn to Candace's work a long time ago. Um, just her style is just really unique. She has this really kind of painterly artistic feel to her images and and um, I just really love her work and then we became friends on Facebook and learned we have all these uh, things in common and it's just been really fun to kind of uh, see her posts and it's just like yep I agree with that so man we had some awesome conversations um, we covered some great topics you know like um, Candace's connection with the land and how how her how that affects her approach to photography and um, you know how photography has been a, a, a therapeutic tool for her and and what is it like to be a female in landscape photography? And it's a really great conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Please uh, rate the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and feel free to reach out to me on social media, uh, Matt Payne Photography. Thanks so much. Candace Dyer, it's super cool to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. I'm uh, kind of amazed that you still wanted me on here. It only took me, what, like three months or so? <laughs> to get <back> <laughs> well, it's funny because when I first started this project, um, I sat down um, actually on my phone with Evernote and I just started making a list of all the photographers that I wanted to have on the podcast. And you were, def you were one of the first people that came to mind for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, you were one of the first people I reached out to and you're, I was like, kind of expecting a lot of the first people to be like, who are you and why are you reaching out to me? But, uh, <laughs> it's cool that you finally got on here. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. No, I mean, you, when you first reached out to me, I think, uh, I was running on two or three hours of sleep out in the Oregon coast, co-leading a, a workshop. And, uh, I think in my mind, I thought, that maybe I had responded to you, but it was just me being so, uh, you know, the lack of sleep, not really <laughs> exactly what I was doing. Right on, right on. So, so you live in uh, Seattle, is that right? Uh, yeah, it's a suburb of Seattle, like 15 minutes northeast in Kirkland. They okay, uh-huh. We're the Costco headquarters, Kirkland brand. Oh, okay, I didn't, that's, I didn't make that connection, but that makes sense, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I used to live in Portland for a couple of years, so um, I think that's how I started following a lot of the Northwest photographers because I was trying to, you know, just figure out cool places to go shoot and stuff like that because I had always done all my photography here in Colorado. And so I oh, think that's how I found awesome. you and, and Ryan. Yeah, it's incredible there. It's my first time going there uh, last year, and I was blown away. Oh, my God. Oh, here in Colorado? Yeah, yeah, I just uh, out in the San Juans. Um, Shit, man, you guys crushed it. I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? I uh, lived here my whole life pretty much, and you guys captured some stuff that most people only dream of getting. It's I think I've only funny how that works. I've only processed like four or five shots from there so far. I When <laughs> when the weather was happening with the, the double rainbows and all this craziness going on, I just thought to myself, you know, nothing's ever going to get this good again. And it, it was kind of this, this, uh, these conflicting feelings I was having because, I mean, as incredible as it was, you know, at the time your jaw is just kind of on the ground and you can't believe what you're seeing, you're crying. But at the same time, you're thinking, damn, I, I don't think anything ever is going to get better than this. This means that <laughs> we're actually saying to each other, uh, Miles and Ryan, we're all like, you know what? This means that the next two or three years, we're just going to get absolute shit weather. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, that's what you deserve for living in the Northwest. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, this summer has been crazy here. It's been really Oh, weird. I know. But, like um, 90s and the 100s and all kinds of craziness. Well, it was actually really mild to start out. Um, it was very a very wet spring, and we had a great winter, tons of snow. But then all of a sudden, it was like mid-July uh, or early July, 
just bright sun and got really hot and it, we finally got rain on Sunday, but um, there was a good almost two months there where we had nothing and everything was dying and all of a sudden we got all the smoke from uh, oh, the yeah, wildfires in DC and yeah, it just got kind of depressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I remember. <laughs> it's funny what people consider depressing though, because I I love the summers when I lived in Portland. Like the weather there was amazing. I, just, I for summer like I, you know, I really like that. Yeah, right. it's it's oh what they say. Uh, Seattle's sort of uh, hidden secret is the summertime. Like everybody associates us with tons of rain and being dreary and and depressing, but. You know, when the summer comes, then it's gorgeous here and, and you get all the, the tourists out here. But, um, you know, it can get extremely dry and extremely hot, too. And uh, especially two years ago, it was, uh, you know, we had wildfires everywhere. And this year, yeah. um, it seemed like we just got everything. Um, all of the, the smoke came down from the north uh, on top of that. So it's been it was kind of crazy not being able to see the mountains when you looked out you know it was the first time I looked out and I wasn't able to see Mount Rainier off in the distance and the Cascades it was just all smoke oh so, wow yeah so when you were here in Colorado I think you you guys were in American Basin is that right yeah we went there um Yankee Boy uh yeah. the Clear Lake we were kind of all over um right in my backyard up there too <laughs> yeah uh, it's my first real experience with um, with going up where it's mainly you know the the ATVs go up there. Oh God! And kind of, uh, kind of annoying. You yeah. Um, I so I you probably I don't know if you know this about me, but I've got pretty horrible anxiety, <laughs> and so I worry a lot about everything. Um, that's a problem I have. So going up these roads, it's just this little narrow pathway. And, you know, a lot of it's very curvy. So as you're turning the corner, you don't know what's going to be coming. And there's only enough room a lot of times for one vehicle. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you come across another vehicle, you just, one of them, you you know, one of you might have to go backwards and kind of go into this little crevice. Um, so it's, you're kind of dodging each other. And then there's just a cliff with thousands of feet of a drop yeah, off. Yeah, that sounds like the road to Yankee Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, we actually uh, were wondering if we should turn around to, for some of it. And I remember at one point for um, trying to remember, I think it was Yankee Boy, we had to stop uh, Ryan's vehicle. His uh, Xterra couldn't make it up all the way. So we oh. had to stop and go in Miles's Jeep, which is probably one of the reasons. Uh, I don't know if he'd admit to it or not, but I think that's one of the reasons why Ryan's looking at getting a Jeep now. He's <laughs> 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 just keeping his, uh, his Xterra. But um, yeah, it was gnarly. I mean, it was uh, pretty some some scary spots going up there. I have to say, That's and funny. you know, people who just were going up and down like it was nothing, like they they do it all the time with these big smiles on their faces, and I'm over here thinking you guys are nuts. Yeah, I mean, I drive all these roads here in a Subaru Forester. <laughs> it yeah, it's just you just get used to it. I don't know. Like my anxiety is more around like my car breaking down or like ruining my tire like getting a flat tire in the middle of nowhere like that's what I always worry about when I'm out driving on these oh, yeah. roads because then you're like in the middle of nowhere and you're like oh I guess I'll get a tow like <laughs> it just it's hard to even like think about what what you're going to do about it so yeah if you can have AAA come out and help you yeah <laughs> so when you were there in American well I think you were in American based when you had all that rainbow action um I'm pretty sure um, tell me about kind of what was going through your mind in terms of like connecting to that scene and, and, and like how that plays into your, your vision and your photography workflow and things like that versus like where I think a lot of people are more like inclined to get that money shot or whatever. Yeah. I mean, when it happened, it seemed very surreal, um, probably sounds cliche to say that sort of thing. But uh, so we had two nights in a row where we had double rainbows appear. And, that's not uh, fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm telling you, that's why I was saying that we, we were all saying, especially Miles, he's just like, okay, this means that for the next several years, I'm going to get shit. Um, we were really, 
we had we had no idea how it happened. And so we started asking around. We were asking people, is this just how the weather is here? <laughs> and apparently it's pretty common. You know, that time of the year, it's very stormy. So you can get a lot of rainbows. But, uh, you know, they just happen to be right in the right place, too. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I mean, I've so, seen lots of rainbows, but, like, never when I'm, like, trying to take photos or whatever. Like. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is I, I kept uh, saying that it reminded me a little bit of Glacier National Park, um, which is still, you know, it's what I consider to be my, my favorite place that I've been to, aside from, I, I have to say Colorado's up there, though. <laughs> I've only been to Colorado once, though. Uh, but the nice thing was just how remote everything felt. Uh, and I think having that experience getting up there, um, it, you know, these roads, is, uh, as I was saying, they're not that easy for everybody to get up. You can't just, you know, go in, um, you know, regular uh, smaller vehicle and get up them. You usually have to have an ATV or, or something pretty rugged to get up these roads. And so um, you don't see too many other people once, you know, it starts getting close to, to sunset or if you're up there for sunrise. Um, and so when we were there uh, at American Basin and at Clear Lake, um, when we, these weather conditions were happening, it uh, it seemed very special. It's, there really wasn't anybody else around. Uh, it was just us. And you know, you had like the, it was the storybook sort of fairy tale setting. We had deer that were just kind of checking us out, eating dinner. Um, and it, it was, when you're there in the moment, even though, you know, I wasn't alone by myself and, and Ryan and Miles were there, you have this sort of moment where it's just for you. It's just yours. And um, and so what's going on in your head, it's for me, it's hard to explain what, what goes on in my head when <laughs> I'm seeing it happen. But, um, you know, I when you see something that beautiful in front of you, it's hard to to feel like there's um, not something greater than you, if that, and I, I don't know, I'm not a religious person at all, but for me, yeah, that's the me only neither, time I but really I know do. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's the only time I really do feel anything greater is when I'm out there, and, um, and so for me, it's the most emotional and profound sort of feeling I think that you can have as a, as a human when you experience that sort of thing, for me at least, um, and for me to be able to express that uh, to others in a photograph, I think is one of the most beautiful things. Um, I, I think that if I'm able to, to kind of give that vibe to someone else, like this is what I was feeling, this is what was going on at the time, and translate that through the image of mine. Um, and, and it's what I tried to do, at least uh, to the best of my ability in those, those photos, is not just, hey, this is a gorgeous, you know, scene <laughs> that was taking place, but also... I, you know, there were tears streaming down my face at the time. I was just, um, I was kind of a wreck. <laughs> like, it was just really, really uh, emotional for me. Well, I mean, um, well, I mean I'm, I'm Colorado native. Colorado and, native and like, like, looking at your photo, I was, I, those are the feelings that I had, too. I mean, I think you pulled it off. Well, I, I, I was like, dang, that's, that's, it, that's what I'm talking like, about. When, <laughs> when it was going on, I didn't want it to end. You just, when you're sucked into that moment and when it's actually happening, you know it's going to be brief. You know it's not going to last very long, but you want it to last for a while. So to be able, that's the other thing, to be able to capture that in an image, um, there's that, that moment in time that's yours. You know, you, you can look back and reflect on that and, um, you know, the memories that go along with it. And there are some great memories to those, uh, to those evenings that we were there. Yeah, absolutely. One of my um, one of my favorite photos I shot um, on the top of this unnamed well it's, it's not really unnamed but it's called North Eolus. It's a fourteen thousand foot peak not too far away from where you were at, and um, I was I was up there right at sunrise, and like I'm surrounded by all these fourteen thousand and thirteen thousand foot mountains, and like sunrise came and it was like that really like it this this these clouds had rolled in overnight. But there was just enough light in the gap at sunrise to where the clouds were lit up, but then all the peaks were lit up too, and like, oh, nice. like every time I look at that photo, it's like, oh, that was the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like every time I see it, yeah. I'm, so I, I feel like that's one of the greatest for me anyway. It sounds like you're the same way. Is like that connection to those experiences and to those moments in time, in nature in those wild places where you feel like it's your it's yours i feel like that's 
to me, that's what landscape photography is all about. Yeah, and like I was saying, I mean, I wasn't alone at the time. I was with two other people, but uh, I was still able to... uh, We were kind of far apart from each other, though, regardless. Even though we were there uh, all together, we each had our own composition. We each had um, our own little spot, you could say, where we were all uh, each individually experiencing that moment in our own way. Sure. And, um, and, you know, we kind of looked over at each other now and then like, Hey, how you doing? And, you know, underneath our umbrellas, oh, I'm, I'm okay over here. But I mean, everybody was feeling their own thing. It was their own experience. And, uh, and so I, you know, for me, I usually do go out and shoot alone. Um, I'd say probably 85, 90% of the time I'm out there shooting alone. And it's, and it's ordered, like you were saying, to really sort of establish a connection with the landscape that I feel like I'm in. Um, but I, I don't think it's always necessary as long as you have your own space. Um, it's really, I think, just being able to uh, to take away your own sort of moment out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So how does that how does that translate into how you focus on your work and what you are trying to convey to the world versus focusing on what everyone else is doing? Yeah, it's, so I, I enjoy going out and, and shooting with others. Um, and I think it's great to get other people's perspectives, uh, you know, because everybody's going to think different than you and everybody's going to bring their own sort of thing to the table. Everybody has something different that they're going to see out of a scene. Um, but if for me, um, I started out photography on my own, um, you know, going out hiking on my own and and I did find inspiration in others' work, but uh, for me, it was more, it's going to sound totally cliche, but <laughs> it was very therapeutic for me. Um, I was going through a, really, a pretty rough time in my life. Uh, it was like nine years ago, I think. Okay. And uh, you know, I, I struggled with depression. And you know, anybody who's had anxiety knows that uh, they can go hand in hand Absolutely. pretty frequently at some point. Um, and so I at the time, uh, was having a really rough time and, uh, it was severe for me, um, severe depression and anxiety. And, um, and so going out hiking, I just, I found that there was this sort of connection there that I wasn't finding anywhere else. And I started bringing along an, an SLR with me. I worked around cameras a lot at the time. I worked in retail and sales and I picked up an SLR one day. Um, and, I decided to bring it along with me and I was like, this is really cool. <laughs> I just started taking pictures of, uh, of what I would normally do on my hikes. And, um, and I realized that there was a lot that I was passing up that I wasn't seeing that I would normally do on my hikes. And it's, you know, a lot of people, I think that's where they start out with their photography is, uh, just going out hiking. Yeah. That's how um, I started. Intentionally, that they did it, just kind of it was a very natural, organic sort of process. Uh, so for me, um, that was, I guess you could say, my sort of <laughs> my medication uh, since I couldn't take any. But um, this this sort of uh, discovery, the sort of self discovery process, finding something about myself that I really had no freaking clue was there. Yeah, um, it was really special. To me, um, you know, because I always felt like there was just kind of this void there. And anybody who's suffered from uh, depression or who's had really bad anxiety, I think that they can kind of relate to feeling this sort of uh, worthlessness there. It's uh, it, it, it's going to sound, it, it, for some people, it probably sounds ridiculous, uh, unless you've actually experienced it before, you know. Um, there's this kind of stigma that it's, uh, it's just an attitude issue, but it's really something that you can't control. And, uh, and so being able to go out there and start feeling like, Hey, you know what? This is something that I didn't know I could do this, you know, like, no, I totally <laughs> this know what you mean. I mean, I didn't know I could like shoot this and, you know, make me, it makes me feel better. Like it's, and I, I don't really know how to explain that uh, necessarily in words, but then I started to find there was sort of this whole photography scene there. Um, you know, I, I didn't start out in the Flickr days. I uh, I came around a little bit uh, after the fact, and I, I think I just became active on Flickr a few years back, so I'm late to the game <laughs> over there. But I started out on Facebook, 
and I just started sharing my stuff. Um, and it wasn't like with any intention of having anything happen. Um, but I had these random people start friending me and like, oh, I saw your picture from here. And, and it just kind of grew from there. And it makes you feel very uh, welcome. It's a very comforting sort of feeling when you have this community who is looking at your stuff and, you know, giving you support and feedback. And it kind of went from there. Um, and I have to say, like, honestly, um, if I hadn't found that, I really don't know if I'd be here right now. It's uh, something that I, I have to say. It was um, something that uh, has been tremendously um, therapeutic for me in life. And I think that I have a feeling that a lot of other landscape photographers out there and a lot of artists can relate to that. No, I've definitely like, God, there's so many things I want to say right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, that was, that was good. No, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny as you were talking about that, um, I had a couple of realizations that I hadn't really had before. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, it's funny, I'm a trained therapist. I have a master's degree in clinical psychology. So I used to help people with anxiety and depression all the time. And in my conversation with Guy Tao last week, you know, he talked about how photography helps him kind of focus all of that energy into one singular task that um, kind of draws his attention into something that has a meaning and a purpose. And then, and then, yeah, I was listening to him. He's, he is spectacular. So that. it's obvious that that's a pretty common theme for some people in terms of how that artistic expression can be uh, therapeutic. But what, but when you were talking, what really kind of grabbed my attention was that um, it seems to me that for for those photographers that are getting that benefit out of out of sharing their work and getting the positive reactions that they get and then i don't know I, my my inclination is to say that 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 probably fuels the ego in a way that maybe some people have never really experienced on their own you know like like if you've i guess if 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 you're prone to anxiety and depression you you may not have a lot of your own coping mechanisms or or things like that to, to yeah, or have healthy exactly. views of yourself and so when you have all these people that are saying wow your work is amazing that's got to be like this new kind of positive energy that's hitting you yeah. and then so that's one thing of it and then it caused me to think about one of the things that I've noticed about landscape photographers is that a lot of us a lot of us I'm not saying you I'm not saying me I'm saying just my observation that we're very sensitive when people criticize us or criticize our work. And that it makes oh, yeah. me realize that probably a lot of it's because there's there's quite a bit of ourselves wrapped up in this. And for some people, it might be all they have. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's yeah, just it's, interesting it's to me. Yeah, it's actually a problem for me. I, <laughs> I, I think that I, I take criticism pretty harshly. And I'm actually getting better with it, I think. Um, but I think that's a common thing. I think a lot of artists take it very, <laughs> very personally. And, um, you know, instead of seeing it in a light where, okay, this is how I can improve. This is how I, I can get better. If somebody's trying to give you constructive feedback, right. um, a lot of times we just, you know, we beat ourselves up over it and say, oh, I'm such an idiot for doing this. Or, um, But, yeah, it's, I think that... Um, it's that's a common thing you're going to find though with with any artist and it's especially common i think with people who have depression or anxiety yeah. um and you know getting to the one of the points you were saying you don't um often tell other people when you are having that sort of problem uh with depression especially because you feel like it's you're being a sure. burden so um you don't want to bring them down. You you want you know to keep it light and and not have them you know um, kind of feel the same way that that you're feeling. Uh, so I think that that's another way that being out there um, with photography and and being out there in the landscape, especially alone, is very therapeutic because it's just you and the land. Um, and there's something about that that I think um, is very. Uh, it, it reveals a part of yourself that I don't think 
that anything else can. Um, when it's just you and um, other life, <laughs> you start to see things in a very different way. It's very humbling. Um, I think I've said this before uh, somewhere else, but it's when you realize how insignificant you are. Oh, yeah, that's are, why I love night photography. <laughs> you're no, I actually told, I had a conversation with my daughter the other day about this. We were going on a hike out in the woods and um, we passed all these humongous slugs and she's fascinated <laughs> by slugs. And I was just saying, um, I, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I went, I said something to the effect that, you know, we're no more important than that slug right there. And uh, we're no more important than this tree that this is a giant tree that we pass all the time out there. It's called Sylvia. It's the biggest tree in mm. King County. I was like, in fact, I think Sylvia is way more important than us because she's producing oxygen. You know, we're over here putting plastic out in the ocean. <laughs> so. <laughs> but my, my whole viewpoint is, of course, going to be way different than some other people take it. But, um, you know, it's when you're out there, though, if you spend time out there, especially if you go backpacking or camping on your own, you start to see things a lot differently when you see life going on, how it goes on without humans, how, it, you know, no matter what we do, that life is going to be going on, uh, regardless of, you know, us going to work in our cubicles and, you know, what insignificant things that we're doing t day to day these there's these other creatures out there that are just trying to get by that are just doing what they normally do and i don't know it just it really makes you think about things a lot differently when you see that yeah absolutely i mean i it's funny i i recently released a photo that i titled infinitesimal which was it was a milky way photo over two of my favorite mountains but that that's why that's why i love doing night photography because um it makes you realize how just insignificant and small we are in the grand scheme of things. And I think for some people that's frightening, but for me, it's incredibly exciting to, to think about um, that there's so much more to life and to this world than, than humans. And, and, and it for, in some ways, for me anyway, it makes the connection to the natural world that much more profound. Um, but there's something you said just now that, that made me kind of have another aha moment, which was um, this 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 idea of um, this idea of of getting something out of that personal connection to the landscape through photography. And I'm wondering if you, I'm gonna kind of make a I have a theory. I'm gonna throw it out there and see if you agree with me. But I'm wondering if you feel like um, those of us that that get that benefit out of photography, if you feel like that when there are um, forces that are um, attacking the natural landscape, like like different laws that might pass, or like the national monuments being threatened by the president, like it's almost like a personal attack on the things that we value most to our personal being. What do you think about that? Yeah, you've, uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the stuff that I've thrown out, like on Facebook about um, the environment being under attack and trying to promote conservation and all of that. I, I tend to be kind of passionate yeah, no, me too. when I it comes to that sort of thing and uh, and uh, overly passionate when it comes to politics. And that's a, that's a fault of mine where I, I know I can come off very strong and I don't want to make it sound like I want you to think a certain way because I don't, you know, it's more like I'm trying to reach out to others who are on the same page and let them know, Hey, I'm with you on this. Like, let's work together. Let's do this. And it, I think that we're in a unique position as photographers, uh, landscape and nature photographers to really come together and uh, and do something uh, very significant and powerful. There's a friend of mine, Hillary Younger, who's actually working on something and um, who you recently had on. She's working on something in Australia. And, uh, you know, they they have collaborations all the time um, over there to promote uh, conservation and, and saving wild places. Um, and I think that uh, I think that over time, what I've really noticed and Granted, I've, I've only been around, I'm in my mid-30s, so I haven't been around too long, but um, I think that what's starting to become really noticeable right now is that just over the span of the last few generations, we're really seeing these obvious signs of there being a disconnect and a detachment from, 
from nature, from where we came from. And um, it's really frightening, I think, because we're all a part of it. We can't survive without it. And yet we go about as if we can. And um, so when there's this complete sort of disregard for it, especially, um, you know, in what we're seeing right now in the White House and uh, and with the leadership, um, to me, it's terrifying because I think that we're walking this fine line where um, we don't have a, a whole lot of time to work with when it comes to things like climate change and, uh, and you know, some of these different places that are very fragile. Um, and yet it's being, it's almost like uh, it's being thought of by certain, you know, people on, in, who are in leadership or on the other spectrum, like it doesn't, it, it's not gonna affect them. Like it's uh, something that we can put off for another time, uh, something that isn't really um, existent. And it's in the forefront right now, everywhere you look is the thing. Um, you know, it's, it's affecting things. Greenland actually had a wildfire going on. I think it's still <laughs> going on up there. And I'm sorry, but when Greenland's on fire, there's something really messed up going on in the world. The Mother Earth, I think, is trying to say well, something. Well, no, it's funny because that... I have, um, you know, I grew up in a very conservative uh, city of Colorado Springs. And so a lot of the people that, um, that you know, I ran into in my professional life were very conservative. And, and they're very smart people, too. It was like, you know, but whenever I, whenever I have conversations with them about climate change, they'd be like, not a such, there's no such thing and blah 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 and, and you know, I was just flabbergasted but you know what I've come to realize is like you know that's fine if they want to um, if that's what they think and believe you know but to me it's like even if they're right which who knows maybe they're right whatever but even if they were right if if there were things that we could do collectively as a society to slow down what's quote-unquote naturally happening why wouldn't we want to do that like there's no reason not to take action you know what i mean that's the whole argument i can't i've never heard a valid argument to that point when you say you know even if we are wrong <laughs> even if we were to be wrong about it what's the harm in trying to right. make things better right now what's the harm in cleaning things up and and having cleaner air and cleaner water um and nobody can seem to have a good response well, to that from what know, I there's found. There's people out there that feel like it um, it stifles the economy and blah, blah, blah. But then they don't realize that, like, but, like, but they don't realize, like, well, it's it actually creates other types of jobs for people that are doing that kind of work. So, like, it's kind of a it's kind of a wash in the end. It's just not the work that they do. You know what I mean? So it's it has very little like, economic impact when you come when you like add it all up i mean it, economics is anyway this is a photography podcast not an economics podcast but yeah no it's <laughs> i mean it really does re relate to landscape and nature photography the, i mean the way i see it is that if we don't preserve these areas then what does it matter to have this discussion because we won't be able to go out there and do it you know it's uh <laughs> if we can't have these these wild places um you know it's it doesn't really matter then it, to to discuss things like you know processing and and what it means to to all of us. It, it's kind of trivial if you can't actually be out there to begin with because it's being taken right, away. Right, like oh, I got to process this awesome photo of the uh, coal mine the other day. Like that was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, like clinging to the past. I don't know where that's ever really benefited anybody as far as that kind of thing goes. I mean, it's. There's this very, it seems like a, a way of thinking that it's going to somehow make things better. I, I really just don't get it. It doesn't make, I can't process it in my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. you know, like, I think it's all psychological. People, people buy into the things that they hear um, and they don't, they don't take, and it, people on both sides of our arguments do it, you know, like they don't take the time to really process the in, the whole picture um, from an objective viewpoint and then and then their mind is off to the races and and the way that we're wired evolutionarily is that we're we're very the reason why we've lived so long as a species is because because we've adapted to our brain being able to make these um, shortcut these mental shortcuts which are called heuristics 
and it basically makes it to where you can make these snap judgments about like a color or or a certain situation or a smell and then it and it translates to this whole array of dangers that triggers in our mind and causes us to take action and that's why even even the most liberal of people still have latent racism because it's just hardwired into the way that we're we are as people and so I don't know like I feel like as humans that's just the way we are wired and the sooner we can recognize that the the faster we can say okay I realize I'm making this decision or this judgment based on the way that I'm wired as a human and so let me just take a step back and yeah. think about this objectively for a second because I've done that on lots of different arguments and well, it's I think caused it's... me to think about things totally differently so yeah, I think that what's going on right now um, politically, and I'm not going to get into a big political <laughs> discussion here, but um, I think it's you know just the news today, how everything you you pretty much look at on there, um, pretty depressing. Um, there's, I think that human nature is to remain, uh, and I, I'm not trying to speak for everybody, of course, but in in general, uh, there's this sort of complacency and um just kind of being scared of ruffling any feathers just wanting to, everything to be calm and and uh there's this tendency there to not want to do anything because you don't want to disturb the peace on either side and i think that i've noticed that a lot um you know with even talking about the environment and preserving the environment i can't tell you how many people uh pseudo friends on you know facebook unfriended me because um, you know, I was having, I was trying to talk about people standing up for the land and, you know, how we should be, um, you know, getting out there and, and trying to actually stand up and, and, uh, and make a difference and have it so that the, these monuments don't get taken away. Um, you know, and telling people, this is what you can be doing to act, you know, call your senators, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's people who really just don't want to hear it. Um, or they don't, even, even if they're into photography and like doing landscape photography, they just want to keep the peace. They just want to, to go with the flow. It seems like, and it seems like that's happening even right now with the political climate. Um, and I'm wondering, like it, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is when does it get to the point where you are going to act? And I think that what's in our nature is that people don't want to act until it's affecting them personally, until it's really no, harming right. them. And I guess you could say their own. Uh, so when it starts affecting you and your family negatively, is that when you're going to get up and do something? Um, you know, if, and I think that it's related to both what's going on with the environment and what's going on with the racial tension and what we're seeing right now. Um, you know, people remaining silent while this all of this happens, you know, or people saying, oh, both sides are wrong, that sort of thing. Um, because I think that historically, if you look, it, it seems like until things get really bad, we tend to just sit there on our hands and don't do anything, if that makes sense. When things get really bad, yeah, then it, it escalates to this boiling point where we no, act. No, I think, I think that, make, um, I think that historically makes, it's, I think that makes uh, lots of sense. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the conversation a little bit though. Um, and I, and it's, it's funny cause it, I think there's a little bit of a segue here. Um, I'm kind of wondering what is it like to be a woman and a landscape photographer? <laughs> did I just well, teed you uh, up there, Candace? <laughs> yeah, that did. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think the topic of gender is in photography. It's pretty interesting in general. Um, and I, I get that question. I've had that question quite a few times now. Like, what's it like? To be <laughs> You're like, it's the thing? same as you, except for well, I wear a bra. Any other questions? Pretty much, <laughs> right? I don't know. So I, when I'm out there I'm, and I'm taking pictures, I'm not really thinking about the fact sure, that I'm sure. a woman. I just think that, uh, hey, I'm a photographer. Um, and I think we all have both feminine and masculine qualities to us in general. And I just don't really, I don't really think it's that significant for me to be like, 
well, this is what makes me different. Um, but then it's funny because when I'm out there actually shooting on my own, it becomes more magnified what is different. And uh, it's not, it, it doesn't seem like it's usually a good thing, but um, it's just like, as an example, I was out at uh, Rainier the other day and, um, and you know, if you're out there by yourself, as a woman, it usually it's fine. You don't really come, at least for me, I don't have any issues. A lot of times I, I bring my daughter along too, but um, every once in a while, I come across somebody who's like, are you, are you okay? And I just kind of look around. Like, like is my arm yeah, cut off? Or? You know, do I have some, do I look like I'm, do I look like I'm hurting or do I have something, you know, am I bleeding somewhere? Uh, but what they're really just trying to say is, are you know, are you okay right. being out there by yourself? Is there something wrong? And to me, I'm always just kind of floored by that. Like, am I really not capable of doing this? Like, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but it does happen even today. Um, and I've also had, uh, I think this was last year at Rainier again. I don't know why I was at Rainier, but um, I was shooting, I was taking some images and I had some uh couple of guys who I don't know if they were doing like a private workshop or what but they uh they, the one guy comes over with his multiple uh his different um filters that he was using his big filter setup and he was like oh no you need to be using this what are you doing you're doing it all wrong and uh and I tried to explain to him you know that I do exposure blending and he's just like oh no you don't want to be doing that and oh and you should be shooting over here you should be pointing over there where are you pointing and um and then he went to his, I don't know if it was his client or what, but, and he was telling him about, and he's like, oh, so are you going to join us for sunset? I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go over there. I'll see you guys later. I, I'm always, you know, I tend to be, I just shrug it off and I try to be polite, but it's hard to, um, to ignore the fact that if I wasn't female, that, that, you know, that, <laughs> I don't think that would be oh, happening yeah, I, if I was a guy. That's the first case of a, so, um, of a landscape photography mansplaining that I've heard about. Oh, it's happened to me actually on several occasions. And I, I had a discussion, I think it was with Sarah Marino about this, or she's yeah, mentioned yeah. it before too. It's happened to her. Um, so it's, it's happened. I've talked with actually many women who this has happened to, but it's just kind of sad because it like, really, how are we any different other than we're like you were saying, wearing a bra. Um, it doesn't really no, make any sense I wonder, to me, and I think um, that it's kind sorry of Sorry to interrupt. Uh, sometimes I wonder, though, like, is that, like, a cultural thing? Like, like men are just wired to want to help women, and then it just comes off really bad, you know what I mean? Like, because so, sometimes I don't think it's, it's yeah. you know, they're not intentionally trying to piss you off, but, like, it just comes off really, really badly. Well, I've had the other side of it, too, to be fair. Um, you know, I've had guys actually come up to me and ask me for advice when I'm on my own. So, you know, it goes both ways, but that does happen sure. more rarely, it seems. Um, but, yeah, I, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, I've also, you know, if I've been out there before um, with Ryan uh, and we're out there hiking together, uh, I will say that if somebody needs um, advice or help with something, they generally approach him first, even if they <laughs> don't know who he is or recognize him before. Um, and I, if you think about it, it's really, to me, it's no different than when you're going out to, to dinner or to a meal and generally the mm -hmm. server looks at the guy because they, they think bring that they're the ones the, to they bring, so, yeah, they bring the check to the guy. It, 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 I do think you're right in that it's probably something that's just kind of built in or inherently there without you even really realizing it. Um, you just, it's almost like a reflex still. Uh, and I'm so used to it that it, at this point, it's like, it just kind of rolls off my back. But, um, but yeah, I, I just hope that one day it will, you know, like being out on my own, the whole, I call it the little girl loss thing, that that whole stereotype will diminish and, and go away because it is, you know, almost you know it's funny though so. i feel like on the, on the <laughs> flip side of that though i feel like it's a pretty exciting time to be a, a woman landscape photographer because there's so much um emerging talent out there that i feel like is becoming more and more mainstream i mean i, I can think of off the top of my head several really highly oh, yeah. accomplished landscape 
women landscape photographers that I would rate right there at the top. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think the reality yeah, is I sure. think people, once you, once you, once you boil it down to the, the end product, the work that you're producing, that, that, that people kind of look past it, it's kind of that intermediary step of in between there when people don't realize that you're the one producing the work. Yeah, and there's, I think that you're, we're at a time where you're seeing a lot of females out there right now. There's the, an insane amount of talent out there um, in photography. And, um, and I think that also uh, when it comes to doing workshops, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of women out there uh, leading photography workshops. And um, I think it's pretty empowering uh, when you see two females working together. I've seen it um, now it's becoming more common in uh in landscape and nature photography and uh, just what Hillary Younger and I are doing too. And I plan on working with other women in the future as well, but I think it's an empowering thing um, to have two women getting out there and leading workshops. And, and one of the reasons for that, I think, is because um, I was, I've been approached now by quite a few women who have actually thanked me personally uh, in messages or just going to come out and said, you know, I've been looking for other women who are out there teaching. I can't, I haven't been able to find it. You know, I've, I've really been wanting to take a, a workshop where there's other women teaching. And I think it's a comfort, mm -hmm, a comfort mm -hmm. level uh, sort of thing. It can be kind of intimidating, especially when you're starting out um, doing photography. And, um, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, men are bad or teaching or at anything, but I think that there's a different kind of angle and a different aspect that women bring to, to the game. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, if, if I'm having people, if I'm having women come out and saying that, then that's definitely got to be a comfort issue, I think. Um, and so the, the first one that Hillary and I did together, the Oregon Coast Workshop, it, it was half and half. We had, you know, three women, three guys, and it was perfect balance there. Um, but I did have um, a couple of people reach out to me and say, yeah, make sure you put me on your list for the future because, uh, because they thought it was really important that women were getting out there and doing this and it's not seen enough. So... So yeah, it's, I think it's a great time to be doing this. And I, I think that it's, it's pretty awesome to see a lot of uh, very talented um, women out there. I could name, you know, there's a ton of women out there I could name that I look to for, for inspiration. Well, yeah, absolutely. Know? I mean, um, the second person that I had on the podcast was Erin Babnick. And I've always really appreciated, um, you know, her just her writing on the um kind of the art side of, you know, the, the art history side of photography that really just is fascinating yeah. to me. And I feel like, you know, like women have, you know, we're, we are wired differently, whether or not you think that's true or not, it is true. Like in general, like men tend to have different thought processes than women. And I think that's a cool thing. And it, I, I think it would be really cool to take a workshop f from like, like you and Ryan at the same time, like, like get the get the guys perspective yeah we're trying to the women's perspective out. like and you get like the whole package yeah. like i think that would be really cool yeah um I, th I think that getting that balance there is really nice but um but yeah i think that it's not it's definitely not seen as much where you have um two females leading together either and we didn't even think about it at all it's <laughs> funny when when hillary and i were setting it up we didn't think about it at all and we actually had somebody approach us and ask if it was just an all-women thing like are guys allowed to and uh and we just kind of looked at each other and laughed like wow I didn't think about that at all it, does it seem like it's exclusive like it's like we're not you know <laughs> and so we just kind of laughed like yeah we we didn't say that guys weren't allowed we we, we just saw it as us being photographers leading a workshop together and then all of a sudden it turned into this thing like people were making a big deal about us being two women working together. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't really look at it that way. I, I think that it's, um, I think that it's an empowering thing, but at the same time, um, you know, we're all photographers. So we, we bring a different side to it maybe, but, um, but yeah, I think that we should all just kind of look at it also that we're yeah, just absolutely. I mean, I think if anything, we should, um, we should embrace all of the differences that are coming out of, you know, the work. Cause I think it's interesting if you look at, um, 
I feel like there is a difference between what women produce and what men produce and you know not like better or worse I just feel like there is a different quality to it that I think should be appreciated you know it's funny um I was on a I was on a I was a guest of a podcast called the traveling image makers um and I was looking through some of their past episodes and I downloaded one of them from Ken Kamineski he's a he's pretty well known guy that runs a lot of workshops and he was talking on their podcast about how they're trying to incorporate more and more women as teachers into their workshops because of because obviously duh they're finding that it's it's a there's a huge value add to have women teaching because not only is that other women are going to feel more comfortable but also because it's bringing a different perspective to the workshop and i think more important people are realizing that you know, not only in photography, but in the business world that, you know, women have a lot to offer. And, and I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And you're mentioning also just like your, your background as well, like you mentioned with, uh, with uh, Aaron, her art history background, um, you know, everybody's going to have their own different, uh, I have an art history background as well, not quite as extensive, but, um, but I think that it's good to to bring your background into it as well. There's a lot of people um, in photography who have very, <laughs> from what I've noticed, very, very different backgrounds. Uh, I've actually oh, worked around quite yeah. a few doctors and it's fascinating to have conversations with doctors. Yeah, you always <laughs> feel very safe if you're on a, if you're doing a workshop with one. It's like, yeah, at least if, you know, I start choking or something or if, um, you know, I, I get really sick, then I feel like if there's an emergency, I'll Well, be, let's be honest. Okay. I mean, <laughs> photography is not, not a cheap hobby. And so it would make sense that professions yeah. that make pretty good money yeah, are going to sure. be drawn to photography. So that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I've I've just noticed uh, that it seems like I've I've been around that a lot though. Um, and it it's very interesting having a conversation. Yeah, with a well, I bet it, it, it's interesting because <laughs> somebody... I bet their approach to photography is probably very surgical as well. You know, like getting yeah, prepped yeah. in the field and making sure your tripod is super level and then making sure you have like this setting <laughs> correct. And like, I bet it's much more meticulous than like an artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the funniest things about um, going out and shooting with other people is is seeing their approach to the to 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 composition and to using their camera. And and just there's so much subtle differences that that then takes people to these different places and in, in the in the art side of it that that's really that's really fun to see for me anyway so yeah. so Candace I have uh, two questions that I like to end the podcast with as you probably know um, the first question is um, based on the title of the podcast um, F stop collaborate and listen what advice do you have for other landscape photographers well, it's it's kind of a tough one, but um, so I know it's I know that a lot of people probably say that you should just kind of do your own thing and be your own creative person, and I I'm guilty of saying that too, but <laughs> um, but it's also kind of a typical thing that you hear. I think for new photographers or for any new artist or anyone pursuing art, um, you look to someone else for inspiration when you're first starting out, uh, whether you're looking to do you know, play the piano, guitar, do, doing anything um, that you haven't done before. You're going to look to somebody else who inspires you and uh, kind of go from there. So I think it's great to be able to collaborate with others, um, especially when you're new into it, because artists are always going to be doing other things different than you. When you have a different artistic eye, it's cool to see how other people's minds work and, you know, what they're seeing at a time that maybe never caught your eye, uh, especially with photography. When you, if you go out shooting with somebody and you come back, you know, see what images that they took and maybe you didn't see that. It brings a whole new perspective to you. Um, it's not a bad thing to, you know, <laughs> to experience that sort of thing. Uh, it opens you up to other possibilities and other ways of thinking. At the same time, uh, you know, the other side of the coin is that you don't want to, I think, follow too closely. And, um, and you know, I... I'm guilty of that myself. I've done that before. Um, you know, they say that you know, if you're going to be copying somebody else, that it's it's 
supposed to be somewhat flattering, you know, to that person. But, <laughs> right. um, but eventually, you know, as you evolve and as you grow uh, into it, I think that you're going to start figuring out more of what makes you spark um, and what sort of makes you tick. And that's really the transformation process. So there's the beginning sort of it where you're really absorbing all of this knowledge and just kind of, you know, you're like a sponge, you're soaking it all in. But then once you've soaked a lot of it in, there's this sort of transformation process, I think, where you've taken little bits from here and there. Maybe, you know, you listen to um, to these tutorials from three or four different photographers and you took little bits from here and there and you've you sort of taken that and then you add your own spin on it and you make it your sort of own thing. And that's really where the magic happens, I think, when you add your own whatever that is that you have that really makes you spark that's the magical part and i think the end goal at least for me is trying to be able to if you can see a photo and know immediately whose it is i think that that is to me where you know that you're you're doing something right because it's really difficult to be able to separate yourself i think from the masses and say yeah you've you've got that look to yours you know um, that's not an easy thing to be able to do. So I think collaboration is very important, but it is also important at some point to be able to separate yourself and and to be able to to add your own spin on things. No, I, I agree. You know, um, that was a great, great answer. Thank you. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed is that it's becoming, at least for me, I don't know if, if other people have experienced this, but it's becoming harder and harder for me to differentiate um, between different people's images because of um, because of people wanting to get that that certain look that's relatively popularized using you know luminosity masks and and different blending techniques. I've noticed I used to be able to differentiate people's work more and more, probably about three or four years ago, but now I'm finding it's, it's, it's a little bit harder because people are kind of, I don't know, regressing to the mean a little bit in terms of what is appealing. And I, I think it goes through waves or stages, like, you know, back in the mid 2000s, like Magento was super popular. And <laughs> I feel like, I feel like now it's like, there's a certain other look that's become very popular. I, I like and stuff and it's so oversaturated it just makes me uh i oh. mean even some of my newer stuff i look at it, i'm like what were you thinking you should have like, oh dude i do that every day i go back and look at it yeah like, i look at my old stuff from like four years ago and i'm like oh my god that's so bad like yeah. what the hell are you smoking bro yeah, like the more i the more i do it the more i do photography i think the more reserved i'm trying to get the you know the yeah. I think it's important to try to make an impact, but also be subtle. And that's not always easy to do. Um, but yeah, the more I do this, the more subtle I'm, I'm trying to be. But also, you know, if, if you could be impactful at the same time, then that's, you know, <laughs> I think you're heading in the right direction then. Absolutely. So if you were, um, you know, on your phone and, you know, you have your uh, iPhone podcast app, and then you, you opened up the F-Stop Collaborate and Listen podcast and you saw um, who the next uh, guest was. And who who would you want to see that was, like, really exciting to you? Who would you want oh, to be, have on the podcast? Well, there's actually a few people that I'd really love. Um, to see. I think Adam Gibbs would be excellent to have on. Uh, he's really inspiring, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff from up in B.C., um, in Vancouver Island. He's actually the one who inspired me to go up to Vancouver Island on oh, my cool. trip recently. Um, yeah, his stuff from up in Canada is pretty incredible. Uh, and uh, and I'd also say that, um, and I'm probably going to be pronouncing his name incorrectly, so please forgive me if I do. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Um, Iron Taz Skaggs, have you heard of him? I have, yeah. Yeah, I think that... Uh, his stuff from the Olympics is insane, especially his most recent stuff that he's been doing. He goes out backpacking in these areas that like not that many people go to, and he goes to insane lengths to get some of his shots. And uh, some of his most recent stuff that he shared is just, it's amazing. Um, I'd love to hear about his journeys and what he does out there and his experiences. I think that would be incredible. 
Awesome. Yeah, he, he, I think probably from the podcast or something, but he, I think he friended me a couple of days ago, so I'll definitely reach out to him because I hadn't heard of him before then either. I and mean, I looked at his stuff and I was like, wow, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I've never met him. He also just seems like a really good guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, cool, man. It's been super fun to talk to you. I, like, I'm sorry it went a little bit political, but like, obviously we have a little bit of the same. Uh, no, I hope it didn't system. get too political. I know I'm gonna get all this hate mail from people. Ah, uh, me too. Know. It's all good. We can we can compare notes on what people have written to us. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much.